let me just talk to, uh, to your heart for just a little bit. John, you could bring that down just a touch. And let me just talk to the heart of the leader and the heart of those that are here. And it, it should be on the screen. But here's, here's one of the observations that I had, and I'll get to a verse in a couple moments. But a leader that has not been tested is a leader that cannot be trusted. So why you're here is because you've been tested. And because you've been tested, now you can be trusted. So I trust you because I've heard your story. And you've been through enough here on earth in the last couple of years for me to say, you know what? I don't want, um, I love them. I don't want a middle school team of leaders that have never been through anything. What I'm looking for are people with some wrinkles and some some bloody knuckles and some, some kind of, uh, you know, dirt on their boots. If you show up with new cleats, then you've never played the game before. You know, you don't want your kid to be the one with the new cleats. You want your kid to have the used cleats from play it against sports. Why? Because anything that has been tested can be trusted. If it has not been tested, it cannot be trusted. So if you are being tested, it's because God wants to trust you with more. <laughs> like take confidence in your test because your test is increasing the capacity for God to trust you. If I can test you right now, then I could trust you later on. And maybe God is testing you. And as a leader, we get tested all the time. If the, the ultimate test, right? But it's also access to trust. You can trust that which has been tested. As a matter of fact, I, I, I probably told this story before, but that in order to test planes, they don't test them in the air. Did you know that? They don't test airplanes in the air. Praise God for that, right? Aren't you glad they didn't test the airplane that you were, last airplane that you were in all, in the air? Uh, they test airplanes on the ground. And one of the things that they do is they try to put, they try to mimic every possible scenario that's in the air while on the ground. And they used to throw uh, frozen chickens. The guys that were testing the engines said, well, there's something called a bird strike. And when the plane hits a flock of birds, it can really deviate the plane and mess it up. And they couldn't find, they didn't want to kill any live birds for the test. And so the guy made a chicken gun and took frozen chickens from the grocery store and they fired these frozen chickens at the engine of the airplane on the ground. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, especially some, some weeks, it just feels like I'm dodging frozen chickens. You know, like the enemy is throwing frozen chickens at my life. And I just, I came to tell you today, every frozen chicken that is thrown at you is making you better at dodging them in the air. Because if I can trust you on the ground, I can trust you in the air. If I can test you on the ground, then I can trust you in the air. So I know we've been tested, but that's just an indication that God wants to trust us. And when God trusts us, man, he can use us. And if I can test it on the ground, then I can trust it in the air. The test does not define me. It only refines me. A lot of times we take the test that we're in and we say, this is going to be a marking moment for my identity. My DNA is going to be forever changed. I wouldn't say that. It's refining you. It's pulling out what's already inside of you. And we could go on and on about different tests that we go through. But I, I believe that God, as he's testing us, he's also trusting us. You rarely learn much until you're tested. You know, in school, I'm not, an educate, I'm not an educator by trade or anything like that, but I know that a lot of times they can tell how well a student or a class is doing by their test scores. So if you haven't been tested, 
Um, we might not know what you're capable of, but when you're tested, we can know what you're capable of. And the ultimate example of being tested was Jesus when he was tested. And that's why he can be trusted. I wouldn't be able to trust an idol, a statue, a figure. But when Jesus was tested, he says, Father, if you're willing, in Luke 22, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. This was the last test of his life. He was also tempted in the, des in the desert, in the wilderness by the devil. He was tempted at the beginning and he was te tempted at the end. And so I can trust Jesus because Jesus has been tested. You know, they talk about the safety crash ratings of your vehicles. Nobody ever really reads that, but like, I don't know who's in charge of JD Power and Associates, but like every single car that you go and try to buy, it's like proving them that they've been crash rated or crash tested. The safer the car, the more sticker price. Your value goes up every time you get in that fire. Every time you're tested, the value goes up. So if you're getting tested, you just gotta know that it's an increase in your value because your safety ring, you'll be a safer person to be around when you're tested. You'll be a safer place. This will be a safer place when we come out of this test. We'll be rated high with JD Power and Associates. Why? Because we've been tested. And when we're tested, we can be trusted. People don't trust the church. You cannot trust a, a non-tested church. But when a church fights through it, it can be tested. So let me just end this segment with just a little bit of prayer. Father, whatever test that we're in, refine us. Thank you for trusting us enough to test us. Much like Job was tested, much like Jesus was tested. Thank you, because we know that your testing is just your way of showing that you trust us. Thank you for trusting us. We're grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Let me get into some practical leadership stuff now that I think will help. And then we're going to break into groups um, towards the latter part of our meeting with some very simple instructions that I think will also help. But um, a lot of people want to know what matters. Like, what is the scorecard for the church? You know, if you were to ask an old school pastor, Abby's dad is a pastor, old school pastor. My, my grandfather, my father, even sometimes I can fall into this. If you were to ask Pastor Eric and some of the guys he's worked for, worked under, what, what is the measuring stick? What is the scorecard? They'd say a couple of things. First of all, they'd say, um, how many people showing up on Sunday? They would say nickels and noses, right? How many people and how much money in the offering? Uh, there's three Bs, butts in the seats, the budget, and the buildings. How big's your building? How big's your budget? And how big's your butts, essentially? How many butts you got? That's what they were asking. The problem with that scorecard, especially today, is that attendance has never mattered less than it matters right now. Like it, if, if attendance is your idol, if your affirmation comes from attendance, every pastor in America whose affirmation has come from attendance, they've been uh, broken down, not in like a terrible way, but in a real humbling way. It's a real humbling thing to work equally hard to see half of the fruit. It's, it's, do you guys know I'm giving, I'm giving, if not more effort, e at least equal effort as I did pre-COVID. Yet I look out and I see half the fruit. And so my resources are the same, if not less, but the results are less than half. If I'm not careful, I'll make that my idol. 
and we'll make that our scorecard. But we have a different scorecard here, and it takes humility, praying, asking God. But this scorecard actually matters to you and your department because ultimately my scorecard helps you accomplish your job as a leader. If what I think matters matters to you, then together we can accomplish the goal. What I've discovered is most people don't care about the attendance. Actually, most people could care less if the room was full or not because you're not looking at the room. <laughs> when, do you, when you go to a movie, which movie are you most excited about going to? The one where the theater is full or the one where the theater is empty? You get on Instagram when you're the only one in there and you're like, I own this thing, right? It feels great. People actually enjoy movies when they're the only ticket holders. And you're actually annoyed when you're like having to scoot by and, and popcorn's flying and you hear chomping and cell phones are going off. So the, the obsession with crowds is only from the top. And it's unfortunate that we've been wired that way and I'm divorcing myself from that desire and uh, divorcing myself from that need of affirmation to the crowd and really just believing God that who's in the room is who needs to be in the room, okay? It's hard, okay? It, it sounds like good preaching, but boy, it's hard when I get up there in that first service and I only see eyeballs. I can't even see their faces. I can't even hear them shout, you know, and it's like, hello, hello, hello. But I have to divorce myself from that. I have, to, I have to make a conscious effort to do two things when I preach. And they're actually written at the top of my notes. I have to write down, I have to write smile. Because if not, I get so intense in the, like in the spirit. It's not even that I'm angry. I just, you know, I get intense with the word. I have to, I put down smile. I want the first thing that people see on that, you know, screen in Apex. And, you know, first thing that you see is a smiling pastor, a happy, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for, for joining us. So I have to literally write with my hand every single Sunday morning, right before I come my hair, I write smile and then preach like it's your last sermon. Because if there was 12 people at my last sermon or if there was 12,000 at my last sermon, it's going to be the same because it's my last one. And so I'm divorcing myself from those things. And what I know is that whenever you start to celebrate attendance, you get easily disappointed when it rains, <laughs> when it snows, when there's a pandemic, when there's the flu, in the summer when people go to the lake or the beach. If your idol is attendance, you'll be severely disappointed all the time. Doesn't mean it's not a health metric. It doesn't mean that every church with four people is strong and it should be, but uh, it means that we're not going to allow attendance to be our scorecard. I'm not gonna hold you accountable for the church's attendance, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because I know that what gets celebrated gets duplicated, okay? So if I celebrate attendance, we're gonna try our best to strive for attendance. But when we realize what's most important, uh, we can start counting the right thing. Counting the wrong metric is, is a recipe for disaster because a raindrop falls from the sky. The, the weatherman mentions ice on the roads and your idol is destroyed. Your metric is done. So we don't count attendance, we count effectiveness, right? How fruitful are we being, not how full is the building, right? Because when we start counting the wrong number, we start celebrating uncontrollable outcomes. It was full today. Well, that was because the weather was decent. It can't be too nice and it can't be too bad. It's gotta be like medium weather for everyone to show up. Like I can crack the attendance code. I can get you through a full room, but those are uncontrollable outcomes. The weather is not controllable. 
right? So if I can't control the, those outcomes, if when I count the wrong number, when we start counting the wrong number, we start celebrating uncontrollable outcomes. It's like, you know, you get excited the first week in January, pre-COVID, it was like the first week in January, everyone came back to church because we had not had church the Sunday prior. We canceled the service on. And so everyone gets their service schedule reset on January 1. Or in January, you feel like, like you're the, the man. The problem is, is that there's one snow or one ice or flu or whatever. And it's like, oh, you realize that it was just a, a season. So I don't want us to be an idol for attendance. I'm not going to hold you accountable for the attendance. But I do want to know, I do want you to know that we do measure a couple of things that are important. I think they have a graph. We measure number of volunteers scheduled to serve. It's just an easy way for us to know, number one, are we equipping the saints, which is one of our jobs to do, is to equip the saints. So we know that the number of volunteers scheduled to serve is the, is the, the number that it's the most controllable, actually, because I won't come to church if it's raining, but I will come to church if it's raining and they're looking for me to be with the kids. I will come to church if it's raining and I'm supposed to play an instrument. When you add a layer of responsibility, you add a layer of commitment and a layer of expectation. And I can't predict the weather, but I can predict closer the outcomes of when a church has enough people to schedule. So we do the math. For every one person in attendance, I mean, for every one person uh, serving scheduled on Planning Center, it equates to about 3.5 in, in attendance. Now, remember, attendance doesn't matter, but what I'm telling you is that in order to grow the kingdom and expand the kingdom, I can't worry about the 3.5, but I can equip the one. And if I equip the one, for some reason, automatically one greeter just equals 3.5 whether that's someone bringing their whole family to church or whether they're passionate about it, so they invite a friend because they're involved and engaged. Almost, I could almost show you like the exact numbers. I could predict on Saturday nights how many people will be here on Sunday mornings, almost every time. Now, it doesn't matter because I'm not in love with the crowd, but I could tell you, I could look at it on Saturday nights and I ask them this every week, what are the, what's the number of scheduled volunteers? And they'll say whatever the number is and I'll go into my calculator app and I'll say, okay, that number times 3.5 and I'll say, okay, that's what tomorrow's going to be. So I no longer need the crowd to satisfy my mathematical equation because I already know what to expect. I come in with the expectation level knowing one times, times for every one volunteer is 3.5 in attendance. So what are we supposed to do? Well, our responsibility is to move this number because when we move this number, that number follows. We're not in love with the crowd. We're, not, we're divorcing ourselves from that need of affirmation, but we are equipping the saints. And when I can equip the one, I know that the one has the power of multiplication to go to 3.5. And so when we, I don't know if it's harp on planning center not being scheduled out or the things not being green or why is there so much, uh, I, don't, I don't get into it that much anymore. But when you're like, why do they care so much about planning center? It's because it helps us understand our one to 3.5 ratio number beforehand. But there's, even before you get to planning center on serving, there's another way. And I made like a little pyramid, like a food triangle for the church. <laughs> um, the first thing that we must measure in order to get to the ultimate thing that we measure, which is salvation and life change and equipping all the people, is you cards turned in. That should matter to you. Here's why it should matter to everyone here. 
No one joins our church or joins your team without ever filling out a U card. It's the very first step for anyone in this building, anyone at Apex, anyone online. The U card is like the front door. So you should be asking yourself, not how many people were in church, but you should find Angie after service and say, Angie, how did we do today? How many U cards were turned in? And if you see someone with one in their hand, but they haven't had the you know, the confidence to turn it in or fill it out, you know that that one U card actually equals 3.5 people in attendance, but it actually equals one more person on your team potentially. And so the number that we count, the number I ask after church, I don't ask how the offering was. I don't ask what the attendance was. I ask before church, I ask how many people are scheduled. After church, I ask how many U cards were turned in. Angie knows I come up to her and I say, how did we do today? Why? Because I know that those U cards convert into the next thing, which should also matter to you. And that's party with the pastor attendance. Our conversion rate at party with the pastor is unbelievable. Let me just talk some business talk. They're all souls. Everyone's a Christian. We're trying to get them saved. But if, if these were customers and we were selling things, it would be like getting them into a uh, timeshare presentation. It's like nine out of 10 people that come to our timeshare presentation. This is not a timeshare. You understand that, right? I'm just giving you an, an example. Nine out of 10 end up staying. We, ve- we see very little fallout if we can get them to party with the pastor. Because it, we're just, I've been to a lot of churches. I see how a lot, we just do it so real. It's so real at party with the pastor. It's like, Man, they really laid it all out so simply for me. I felt like I was a part of the family from day one. They really made it comfortable for me. And so it should matter to you because no one's going to join your team without going to first to fill out a U-card and first attending party with the pastor. So what should matter to all of us? This is, this is a collective matter. Like it matters how many U-cards are turned in, party with the pastor attendance. Following party with the pastor is serve 101, okay? First Sunday of the month, party with the pastor. Second Sunday of the month, first service. Serve 101. Am I correct in that? Now, Serve 101 is our ability to filter out any crazy people that might try to make their way onto your team. And so you don't, don't let them skip that because they might hide their crazy eyes at party with the pastor, but it's harder for them to hide their craziness at Serve 101. So before you embrace someone to your team or invite someone, filter them through Serve 101, Pastor Michael and the staff will say, okay, they're a little crazy. They're extremely wounded from their last church experience. They bring in some, some, some evil mojo. There's some weird theology going on there. You don't want to promote someone, we talked about this, with a wounded heart. You don't want to promote someone who's broken. And we've been guilty. I've been guilty of saying, man, he can sing. Put him on the stage. He's never filled out a U-card. You don't even know his last name. You don't even know his criminal history. You know what I'm saying? It's like they can't serve in kids unless there's a background check. Why? There are steps that we have the same, we have process. You cards, party with the pastor, serve 101. And then, then they get scheduled, okay? Then you're going to put them on the schedule. But even during the scheduling phase, they need to be shadowing. They need to be uh, integrated into your daily life. They need to feel like you're um, leading them outside of just scheduling, you know? And then they can serve. So what are we counting? Well, I'm counting salvations and baptisms first. I want to expand the kingdom. I'm counting also number of people that we are equipping on the weekend. What was the highest we had? Christmas at Focus 2019. 
what, what, how many people did we have serving at Christmas at Focus? It was two, it was over 200. 227 scheduled volunteers for one single service. Now, I'll just be honest with you. We can't even get that in the building right now on Sunday mornings. On Planning Center, in the green, with a lanyard on, 227. With a lanyard on. That is, that is health, right? You, you see the church, the whole church rises up. So we're starting this church over. This is week number two of my leadership meeting. And I'm not even going to ask what they were this past Sunday. I don't even want to know. Not 227. We know that. But I will tell you this. It's so important that we realize the value in collectively, collectively pushing for those U cards. Collectively pushing for party with the pastor. Like party with the pastor should matter so much to you. Because here's what will happen. Pastor, I just don't have enough volunteers. Well, how many times have you invited someone to join you for party with the pastor? There's always enough refreshments for multiple people to join us. There's always time and space for you to come. So what I'm telling you is, I mean, I get the band. I take the band and I'd say, guys, it's first Sunday of the month. All right. Once we're done singing and shouting, we're going to make our way to the party with the pastor and we're going to try to recruit some musicians. Why? Because you don't want a musician coming in that doesn't know the story of the church. You don't want a musician coming in that doesn't know the culture. We don't do diva here, you know? We don't do diva worshipers here. We don't, we don't, we don't fast track you if you're, if you're not uh, totally uh, ready. And so you cards turned in, party with the pastor attendance, serve one-on-one attendance, schedule them, and then they serve. Now I'm going to open it up for questions, comments, whatever I might have missed um, during this time. And what could we do better? Where are we missing it? when it comes to onboarding volunteers or getting more volunteers, because there's, I, can't, I told them this yesterday, I just can't seem to crack the code. There's so much higher a number of people willing to come back to church post-virus, mid-virus, where are we at? Are we safe to say post? Ladder, ladder the ladder will become greater? We're in the, are we in the latter days of COVID? We're, I don't know. Let's claim it. Let's just act like we are. What I'm saying is, uh, I can, I can, we can get them to attend right now, but they're not committing to serve. And so it's like the lanyard has the virus, right? Like it's something wrong there. Yes. Say something about the U cards. Yes. I guess we can try to explore other ways to, for people to turn in the cards because what I've noticed is that we, we are getting a lot of new people. There's a lot of you know visitors coming. But I, what I've seen is that sometimes when the service or the experience is over, if they have kids, they go straight to pick up their kids and then they leave throughout, you know, the other door and they don't come through here to turn in their cards. Right. So we really so only we have just, one we, pinch point. We may have to, you know, explore other ways to see how we can collect the cards. I love that. When, you know. When so they, maybe we spread. They're getting, it. Yeah. you know, new people. And That's great. Sometimes they're also, you know, afraid to fill out the cards. Yeah. So. yeah. That's really great insight. You're right. Because I do see most people leave out that door. They come in that way? Mm. That's great. That's great insight. Pastor Michael will work on a plan to help do that, right? Right. So if someone's checking in their kids for the first time, 
He said to treat every family that brings their kids over there as though they were a U-card as well. Because they get their information. In order for them to check in their kids, the same information translates over to the U-card. So maybe instead of having them fill out two different things, there's a sync up moment after service where he sends you all the first time families and you get your U cards that came through that door and every, any first time family, whether they filled it out or not, they technically did because they want to know when their kids misbehaving. So right, right. Boom. Worth the whole meeting right there. We can all go home. Nice job. Does that make sense? So now Pastor Michael will help facilitate that, but that will be. I know. It's because he'll get fired if he's not. <laughs> yeah, it, it is important. It is important. Yes. Yes. Yeah. When the school comes in just a couple of weeks now, they're bringing painters and architects and construction and pressure washing. We're going to try our best to squeeze our church into this building. When that happens, that that will be the main entrance and really the only entrance. I'm guessing some people will try to slip through here, but the check-in will be right there with you. And so you'll be able to coordinate a lot better. And when we do that, maybe I could just start in this room. I'm just going to need your patience because it's been... 30 years since the church has only lived in this one building. And so um, we're trying to figure that out. You know, there's going to be classroom changes and check-in station changes. And people are probably, you're probably going to hear people. I thought I liked it when we did it this way. I mean, my son is already mad that the youth group is up here and not in the gym. I said, it doesn't matter. You know, you can't ball anyway. So, you know, no, I know it looks great in there. So it, it'll, it'll be really good, but there's just an adjustment period. The way that I put it to Lee's wife, Ashley, yesterday, it's like having to move in with your in-laws while you're waiting for your next season of life, you know? It's like, we just need to squeeze. <laughs> it's, it's not fun. It's not fun, but you know, you, you've seen, I've been to the mountaintop. You know, I've seen the promised land. You know, I might not get there with you is what Dr. King said. I've seen the promised land. So we're going to squeeze, we're going to squeeze this church into the, you know, in-laws house while we build our own house. Right. And so just be patient with me. Be patient with us. We're figuring it out. And there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. I was wondering what happens to the U cards after y'all collect them? Yeah, that's a great question. Pastor Michael, you want to talk a little bit about that or Angie or speak up a little louder so they can all hear you. Also sends them over Sunday on night. Sunday night. She also in the afternoon. And correct me if I'm wrong, Angie. She sends them over to April Dixon. April Dixon is a every week volunteer. She just hasn't come back because of COVID yet. She imports them at her home every single Sunday afternoon so that they're at the implant. And one of the things that she does is she absentee email people, and they get three or four emails throughout the week inviting the party with the pastor, talking about prayer 101, talking about if you have any prayer requests and stuff like that. Then on Monday morning, first thing on Monday morning, typically it's Monday afternoon now, Monday afternoon, I send them each a video. But maybe, I don't know if any of you guys, like, I've never gotten a video from you guys. Maybe you should. I send right. them out all the time. I so. promise I send them. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I send them a video. It's literally. like a voicemail, but with your face. Essentially, and is it's how not we a generic video. It's, hey, my name is Michael. You know, got your e-card right here if you ever care. So this is my number. And then so they're getting my personal phone number, a video from me. They're getting a text from Angie, and they're getting an email from Angie every uh, every week. And I'll take the whole month's worth of U-cards right before party with the pastor, and I'll do the same thing, but just invite it into party with the pastor from my cell phone. Uh, and we do the same thing for anyone that's uh, exercising generosity for the first time. Like we had like six first-time givers. I text messaged a 13-year-old who gave seven dollars yesterday, and uh, he was like, "No problem, Pastor Mike. It's the best use of my money." And I was like, "Oh, mm. I was like, oh my God!" Mm. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that would come in at Serve 101, technically. That's when it should take place, right? The 10 party with the pastor, the following Sunday, or any second Sunday, you should be able to go to Serve 101, and we should be able to discover your talents. Now, one of the gaps that I think that we're going to close tonight, one of my big gaps, is we, we, we crush it when it comes to first-time guests. We, we are not as tight or robust in our systems for people who are interested in serving. And so when... Oh, I'm sorry. When we, when we, when we, when it gets dispersed to the different leaders, that's why tonight is really good because I want to tighten our process just as tight as this is for all first time guests. I would love for every leader to tighten up their system of how they onboard a volunteer. Now it changes from team to team, right? I don't need a background check to greet, but I at least need to know how to get on the planning center. I need, a gra I need a background check to know how to, to serve in kids. And what I'm finding, and I could be wrong, but Pastor Ed, you can correct me, is like every once in a while, I'll meet a couple of people and I'll say, man, thank you for serving on the cafe team. And they'll be like, well, I didn't really want to serve on the cafe. I signed up to do this, but they never got back to me. And so I just decided to go in the cafe because I could find Carissa in the, in the lobby, right? And so I, want, I, wonder, I wonder how many people are serving in the wrong area just because the leader was better at making it easier for them to join their team. And so I wonder how many like, like available, I wonder how many like high capacity leaders are doing low capacity tasks simply because the leader above them isn't, um, isn't onboarding them properly. Did you have a question? I'm hang on, I'm gonna turn you up. Oh, I lost you, hang on, I'm gonna turn you up. Go ahead. Right. Right, right. So I think one of the things that we could do is maybe highlight Serve 101 as its own thing. So instead of attaching it to Party with the Pastor and to think, like, let's say you went to Party with the Pastor two months ago, Serve 101 is your next step. 
period, right? Like, and so you don't have to go to the same month's party with the pastor, serve one-on-one as you did with party with the pastor. If any of you are gifted, if you're ready to serve, serve one-on-one is the second Sunday of the month. But from there, the dispersion of information tends to fall through the cracks for some reason. Right. Right, right, right. That's really good. What what kind of like follow-up survey do we give to them at party with the pastor? There is a, there is like a serving questionnaire. Okay. Yeah, here, take her, hold her, hold on to her. When someone signs up to serve, well, let me ask you, does everyone know, like, how someone signs up to serve? Let's start there. That's a good place to start. Yeah. How does someone sign up to serve? I get to serve.com every time. I don't care if they tell you all their serving references and their gifts and their times. And they can give them all their information. They have to go through iGoToServe.com. Because when they go through iGoToServe.com, that form gets forwarded to myself every single time and the leader of that specific ministry. Mm-hmm. So if someone signs up to Focus Kids, it gets forwarded to me and Pastor Chris. Mm-hmm. Or to me and Andy. Or to mm-hmm. me and Charity over the production. Or to me and Pastor Patrick. Or to Pastor Stan. So every single time, all that information gets filled out in a form, emailed to us, we follow up with the leader. And, and I promise every single time that happens, um, and, and you can even correct me if I'm wrong, I always will text you or call you, did you get this email? Did you receive this email? Can you testify to that? And so I, th- I mean, but with sometimes the amount of people that, that we get on like a serve one-on-one, it might be five or six people. All at once, all, all at, at once, once, all at the same time. Right. So that's where any other questions on that process, because that's that's where I want to break up into teams, because I think that what I would like to do um, is I want to know what are the five things everyone on your ministry team needs to know. And then what I want to do is I want you tonight. I know you're like, no, you're about to say, no, I wasn't ready. Um, I want you to make five one minute cell phone videos. Okay. My name is Chris. I'm the, I'm the kids pastor here at Focus Church. And I'm going to go over five things that you need to know about joining our team. Number one, you got to have a background check or number one, show up on time or number one, wash your hands. I I don't know what they, I don't know what the five things are because I don't do your job, but like I was thinking about it like for anyone that preaches for us, I have a document and I say, here's basic preaching at Focus Church and not anywhere else, but preaching at Focus Church 101. All right, the Bible must be read within the first three minutes of the sermon or if not, it's too much opinion, not enough word. But I tell them that in a document. I, I could make a video and I probably should, but it starts out as a document. And then I said, humor is king. Around here, 
If I'm not having fun in church, I'm not coming back. And so I'm letting these, I'm letting these preachers know, these guys know, when, they, when you stand behind this sacred desk, number one, you better crack this bad boy open within the first five minutes or I'm going to really not be happy. Because I need to know that what you're saying isn't just coming from you. I need to know it's coming from the word. And you'll notice my pattern. I might open up with a you card, welcome the online audience, but I'll say, turn with me in your Bibles if you have a copy of God's word. And then after I pray over the reading of the text, that's when I'll usually go into what we call like an introduction where I talked about the sleepover and things like that. Does that make sense? Because I want them to know that this is a Bible preaching church. This is not Mike Santiago's motivational speech. This is not my opinion. This isn't Oprah. This isn't Dr. Phil. This is the word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word is a lamp unto our feet and light. Don't give me you start to preaching because this meeting is a little different, even though I did read a verse about, about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, but they know there are, there are basic principles. 35 minutes, no more, right? When I, whenever they got this document, we don't go over 35 minutes. Well, why are you so? Well, first of all, there's a lot of things going on. The reason why we don't go over 35 minutes is, first of all, there's a second service. There's kids workers waiting on the first service kids to leave. Well, pre-COVID, there, there was kids ministry in both services. They're waiting. Parents are knocking at the door. Kids are ready to go. Kids workers are mad at me because I'm preaching too long. Then there's a campus that's also on a schedule for them to sync up virtually. There's a lot going on. It's not that I want to squash the Holy Spirit or that I'm not open to the leading of the Spirit. I've gone longer than 35. I'm also the pastor, but any guests that come in here, they need to stay within the confines of the time. Am I right? <laughs> I was pointing to Pastor Ed. Pastor Ed took his liberty one year while I was in Haiti, and I could do nothing about it. I was overseas. Remember that? We were in Haiti. I was like, dude, the guy went 48 minutes, man. Uh, yeah, so. No, no, he, he's preached since then. I think he's preached twice since then, so. No, 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 no. I'm still gnawing on that word. I'm still eating that. So, yeah, so. I'm, what I, I guess what I'm saying is there's got to be five practical things that each team represented here needs to do. So think about an email sequence. If an email sequence went out to someone that signed up for your team. So I signed up to, sign in, sign up to serve in student ministry. I'm going to get an email Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. A one-minute quick, hey, my name is so-and-so. Welcome to the team. Here's five things you need to know about serving in the cafe. Practical. Don't get, I'll do the preaching, okay? You, you do the, you do the, you know, we serve all organic coffee. So if you are allergic to, the, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. So, all right, right, right. So, so if you don't know, so here's what I want to do. Who knows what, who knows which team they'll be making videos for? It's very clear to you. You say, I know I'll be making for the worship team. I know I'll be making for youth. I know I'll be making for the cafe. I know. Okay. There are probably people who don't know, some people that are new, right? You, I would do uh, life, group, life group leaders. You guys can get together. S safety team too. Safety team or kids. So you could do, you could go with them. Or you could say, get together with you two and talk about life groups. And all, all four of you do one video each and you've covered four videos. Does this make sense? Hey, my name is Jeremy. I work at a funeral home. People are dying to get in here, you know? <laughs> so here's how not to kill your small group. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know what I'm saying? So this is what I do for a living, okay? Okay, okay. 
It said, here's how people, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. How not to bury your small group, you know? How not to bury it, you know? Six feet under, you know? Okay. Okay, okay, good. So who else is, who else? Production, sound guy. Here's five things you need to know on a Sunday morning when you walk in here. Here's where the lights are. You can do 20 of them. Here, and then what you're going to do is this. I want them to be short and concise. Smile, you know, on your phone. I just want a cell phone video. I don't want a production. Be in good lighting, but don't worry about anything else. I want it to feel organic. I want it to feel like you grabbed your phone and you said, hey, thanks for joining our team. Do you know the, the number one uh, rated YouTube ad ever was the guy Ty Lopez here in my garage. Have you ever seen that one before? He said, here in my garage, just ch ch chilling out by my Lamborghinis. You know what I like more than my Lamborghinis? And he turns his phone and he's like, knowledge. And he's got a bunch of bookshelves. That is the most viewed YouTube ad in the history of YouTube. Did you know that that guy actually was the valedictorian of this Christian school? He played basketball for Destiny uh, Christian Academy, when it, which is crazy. But he's a millionaire genius. But his the number one viewed ad is him with his phone saying, here in my garage. He's in his garage with the phone, selfie mode. You know what I love more than these Lamborghinis? Knowledge. And then he sells his masterclass program or whatever he's selling. So I want you to know I believe in you. Who, who else doesn't know where they would go or what, what videos that they would make? We do. But I just want... And we talked about this. I'll help you guys to create that. But I just want people to know this is the face of the person that's in charge, right? Some people are like, who's Carissa? Well, she, that's, that's who she is, right? Who's, who's Bill in charge of safety, right? So it just gives a face to the name. Does this make sense? Okay. Can I dismiss you from here and everyone be clear? Or does, everyone have, does anyone have any more questions? Production? No, we're not going to gather back. This is it. Email it to charity at focus.church. You could take your liberty. If you knock it out, you can go home early, catch the game. There's no game, but it's 749. So I would assume that by 830, it'd probably be done. If that's complicated to you, if you're nervous, just find someone else to do it for you. Hold the camera for the other person. Does that make sense? Five different videos, one thing each video in like a bite-sized piece. Right. Here's where the iPads are stored. Like literally, you'd be surprised how, I don't wanna say dumb, how simple you have to make things, right? These are the light switches. These are the switches for the fluorescence. These are the switches for the subs. So. Yeah, yeah. And you can just email them charity at focus.church. Thank you for being on the call. They're they're all dismissing, so bye. See, all hey, the five problems that you encounter every single Sunday, just make a video that solves those five problems. How let me I'll make it easy on you. What are the five things? Like I I my printer, the stinking printer doesn't work every single Sunday. It cuts off my notes, it half my sermon. Either that's the Lord telling me that half my message needs to be cut out or what. So I need a video on how to print my stinking sermon notes because I had to use my iPad on Sunday. So not a big deal, but those are first world problems. No, I wasn't being modern. I, I, my mom can't FaceTime me on this paper. That's why I don't use my iPad. My mom FaceTimes me too much. Okay, you are dismissed. Be blessed and highly favored. 
and go and explore and then write everything down, submit it to charity at focus.church, Michael at focus.church, and we will get these uploaded in a sequence for you. Does this make sense?